listening to the Alan Carter Show on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Welcome to the program. Thank you so much for being with us. And what a great day we have ahead and a great show as well. So many things to talk about. I'm going to begin with this, though. And the realization is dawning on everyone, I think, in provincial politics that the opposition to Doug Ford is not at Queen's Park. In fact, the opposition is now living and breathing at City Hall. It is John Tory. John Tory is now essentially the official opposition to Doug Ford. Here is the mayor talking about trying to get the province to change direction on child care subsidies. Our posture will be uh, to take this up with the provincial government and say that they're going the wrong way. Uh, They are going the wrong way in terms of saying that they're going to support less by way of the planned increases put in place by the previous government uh, and addressing one of the really uh, basic needs that people have in the city. So Tory is increasingly being seen as the political alternative to Doug Ford and where Doug Ford is bombast and shoot from the lip, Tory remains appealingly dull and boring. Where is Andrea Horvath, you might ask? Perhaps she should speak up. Perhaps she should shout a little bit more. Keep it down. Or maybe not. Because Toronto bylaw officers and police are cracking down on excessive vehicle noise in this city. You may have heard about this. The campaign aims to target vehicles with modified mufflers or drivers who rev unnecessarily. You know... When you pull your Honda Accord up to the light and you rev it up and say to the guy in the minivan next to you, let's go, Dad. Let's go. The city receives thousands of complaints each and every year because of noise, because of this precise issue. That is why the city is cracking down. Health authorities say noise pollution can be both physically and psychologically damaging. Ladies and gentlemen, keep it down. Thank you. And at City Council, one of the motions today being heard involves noise infractions at the docks. Polson Pier, you may be familiar with it. Rebel Nightclub, Cabana. I know... You probably spend your weekends there in your mankini. Well, I tell you what, right now, City Hall is a a number of councillors are saying we should revoke their liquor license because they just simply cannot keep it down. That is the problem. And so we have this issue in the city, you know, where we're cracking down on cars that are too loud. We're going to revoke liquor licenses from bars on the waterfront because residents can't get their beauty sleep. And meanwhile, we live in a massive metropolis. What possibly do we think is going to happen? It's supposed to be noisy, people. And I think that when we start saying to everyone, listen, 11 o'clock, we need to shut that down. It's quiet. Need to be quiet. Get our sleep. I think something has gone terribly wrong. Don Cherry, your thoughts? And put that in your pipe, you left-wing coots. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you very much. Now, sometimes staying quiet is not going to help you, especially 
if you look shady and you have a weird-shaped head. From Madrid, a Colombian man has been detained at Barcelona's International Airport after a half a kilo of cocaine was found hidden under an oversized toupee. Arriving on a flight from Bogota, the man attracted police attention. He looked nervous and had a disproportionately large hairpiece under his hat. They found a package stuck to his head worth $34,000 worth of cocaine. So don't look nervous if you're taking drugs for the airport on your head. There's just something for you to think about. From dumb criminals to smart pizza con artists, this report out that a number of pizza pizza customers are sounding the alarm after becoming victims of alleged fraud. They say their debit cards or credit cards were swapped or stolen while they were making payments during home deliveries, and thousands of dollars were taken from their bank accounts. So now, just because you want to meet lovers, your bank account's getting swiped and cleaned out. And you may have heard of this ongoing fraud. It's an identity theft issue that originally started in the city of Toronto with taxi riders. And taxi drivers, we've heard this, would take, a, take your credit card, take it up to the front seat, yeah, thumb through all those TD visa, I said. Yeah. And then just give you a different TD visa back, and now you've punched in your code, the whole thing, and then they just rack up thousands of dollars worth of charges. 262 charges have been laid against four men for that scam. That was earlier this year. But obviously, this is still ongoing. And the the key here is keep an eye on that card. Never let the card out of your sight. And when you get it back, you check that it is yours. It's hard to do when we are so busy. Trying to get your stuff out of the cab. You're trying to, you're checking to see, did, oh, anchovies again on the pizza? So, meanwhile, while criminals are stealing your information, Amazon wants to pay you for it, at least in the United States. Amazon.com has a promotion for U.S. shoppers on Prime Day, which continues 48 hours. Ten bucks you get if you let Amazon track the websites you visit. Ten bucks. Sure. And because it's Amazon Prime Day... There are reports that a number of phishing email are out there going around right now for those of us who are on the Amazon site. So you got to be careful about that. And you think to yourself, no, no, I'm smart enough. I don't get, I don't get nailed by these. Well, I'll tell you what happened. Just very di- the yesterday, I come off the show, I'm on my computer, and in pops an email that says, we have noticed that you are trying to log on to your computer from a different source. Please enter your password information uh, sincerely, the Chorus IT team. And I think to myself, well, I don't normally work at this computer, so that makes sense. And look, it's signed by by somebody from the Chorus IT, obviously. So guess what I do? I do exactly what you're not supposed to do. And 10 minutes later, an email pops up from the real Chorus IT team saying, uh, phishing email going around. Don't respond to it, just delete it. And I have to sheepishly respond and say, uh, <laughs> I'm an idiot. David Shipley is 640 Toronto cybersecurity expert and CEO of Boceron Security. Joins me on the line. Hi, David. Good morning from Vancouver. Well, hello there. 
just on a scale of 1 to 10, for entering my password into this phishing email, I am A, a giant idiot, B, a Luddite, C, my father. So you are none of the above, D. Uh, you're not an idiot. Uh, phishing emails are well-timed, well-placed, and can even get the smartest people because it's not about how smart you are. It's about your emotions at the time that when you see them. And the uh, criminals that are doing this are very sophisticated. They know what to say to push those emotional triggers around trust or fear or curiosity to get you to do these things. And remember that 93% of the malicious breaches you hear about in headlines every day start with exactly that, a phishing email. It's the simplest, fastest, easiest way into organizations because it's all about hacking humans. And I just, I fell for something as stupid as an electronic signature. I'm like, well, that's got to be real. But what else were you doing that day? So odds are you've had a very busy day talking about some really interesting topics, pretty fired up by the sounds of things on a regular basis. And so you're already thinking about all the other things going on in your life. And, and the amount of cognitive time you spend processing on this is not huge, which is why in the work that we do, we talk to a lot of our clients about that stop, pause, take a breath, and question every single thing you see, particularly when it's asking for account information. David Shipley is 640 Toronto cybersecurity expert. Thank you, David. Appreciate you joining us from Vancouver. You're always welcome. Keep it down. Please. It's the city of Toronto. (laughs) If you don't mind, David, please. Keep it down. Thank you. We'll talk to you again later. Coming up on the program, we're going to talk Trump. We're going to talk about the fact that it's no longer dog whistle politics, it's just plain old racial, racist whistle politics. You know, you, you say that dog whistle politics, you know what that means? That means you say something in code that's really saying something to your supporters. Well, Donald Trump, forget about the code. Forget about the dog whistle. It's just plain old whistle. Jackson Prosco will join us with a look at the Trump tactics. Generally, I don't like to talk about Donald Trump on this program because I just think the airwaves are saturated with Mr. Trump and there's just so much talk about it. I just often don't believe that there's a whole lot that uh, I can add to it. But I do want to dig in a little bit now to the firestorm going on south of the border regarding Mr. Trump, the president's uh, statements about these Democratic congresswomen and a revitalization of the old like it or love it or leave it. Remember, love it or leave it was a slogan in the Vietnam War that those that were in favor of the American policy basically equated patriotism with support of the official administration line. And the message from the four Democratic congresswomen of color that were targeted by the U.S. president is do not take the bait. At a joint news conference, New York congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio Cortez, pardon me, suggested there are bigger problems. We'll stay focused on our agenda and we won't get caught slipping because all of this is a distraction. It's a distraction from what's most important and from our core values as American citizens. Now, much is being made about the strategy behind Trump's comments. The Atlantic writes, 
It's easy to read Trump's tweets or watch his public appearances and see someone who is filled with grievance and lashing out mindlessly in all directions. But Trump's actions over the past five days fit within the strategy he has mapped out for capturing a second term. Mobilizing his conservative base by any means necessary, using the tools and trappings available only to a sitting president. Perhaps no comment from Trump sums up his approach quite so well as his justification that, quote, many people, unquote, share his views. Who are these people? Trump doesn't say. But it seems clear he believes it's the people who voted him into office. That is from The Atlantic. Here is the editorial today from the L.A. Times. Quote, Trump is just trolling as usual. He's trying to get a rise out of us. He's baiting us. We should not rise to his bait. But how can we not? If we ignore him, we normalize his reckless behavior, and that is even worse. That is an editorial from the L.A. Times. All of this is causing world leaders, including our very own Justin Trudeau, to walk a very fine line between condemnation and interference in American politics. This is what the Prime Minister said yesterday, quote, I think Canadians and indeed people around the world know exactly what I think about those particular comments. That is not how we do things in Canada. That is Justin Trudeau speaking to reporters at the Canadian Forces Base in Petawawa. You will notice he does not refer to Trump. He does not say racist. He just doesn't really say much of anything. Global's Washington Bureau Chief Jackson Prosco has an interesting take on what's really happening. He writes in an analysis piece on globalnews.ca, quote, For Trump, it is all about his base. His comments, especially targeting the only two Muslim women in Congress, are red meat to some of his supporters. The bigger play is that all four Congresswomen also represent the far left of the Democratic Party. Trump is undertaking a calculated strategy to make the women household names. He's doing this while portraying them as extremists, Venezuela-loving socialists, heck, even communists. And by attacking these women directly, he is forcing Democrats to rush to their defense, all so that he can paint the entire party with the same brush. I am pleased to welcome to the program Jackson Prosco, our Global News Washington correspondent. Hi, Jackson. Hey, Alan. Great to be with you. Tell me more about the strategy as you perceive it here. Is this an attempt to just portray the entire Democratic Party as very left or to actually split it? It's a bit of both. Remember that socialism is really a dirty word in the United States. Americans don't understand concepts of socialism as described by sort of the new left wing of the Democratic Party the way that Canadians do. So when people like Bernie Sanders or Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez or any of the so-called squad, these four congresswomen, talk about ideas that are not that unusual in a place like Canada, it is way out in left field down here in the U.S. And so uh, there is an attempt by the president and by Republicans in general to now brand Democrats as socialists, hearkening back to the Cold War era fears that many many Americans have. But at the same time, Alan, I think there is also a play to try and fracture the Democratic Party because the squad, as they're known, has sort of feuded with the Democratic establishment here, with Nancy Pelosi in particular, and Trump is trying to divide his enemies at this time. In terms of what he said about, you know, basically go back to where you came from, which is ridiculous because these are American citizens, it, it has been openly condemned as racist. And in the past, we have talked, and I talked in our last segment about dog whistle politics, about that sort of hidden signal to, you know, your base. 
There are no hidden signals anymore. This is just right out in the open. It is, and I think that's what makes it so remarkable. It's hard to imagine another politician in this modern era getting away with saying things like that, and yet you have the president not only saying those things, he's embracing those things. Uh, I will point out that he has sort of walked it back ever so slightly from his original tweet, so he put the really incendiary remarks out there about go back, and then yesterday when he appeared on camera in front of reporters, he kind of walked it back and said, uh, you know, I'm basically saying if you don't like this country, you can leave. Feel free to leave. And this whole, you know, many people, quote unquote, and we've heard him say this before, many people this, or many people tell me this, or, or you know, many people agree with me. Uh, and, and there's no actual, any qualification who those many people are. Yeah, although I would point out there's an interesting context for his many people comment. He was actually asked by a reporter uh, if he's comfortable being essentially on the same page as white supremacists and white nationalists. And he said, you know, doesn't doesn't really phase me. Many people share these views. When we talk about the politics involved here, and this is where I like to raise the the dialogue a little bit, because yes, the, the president is being painted as a racist, and I don't think anybody can excuse the, you know, go back to where you came from sort of nature of this. But if success is measured by winning, This was a strategy that won him the presidency and looks very plausible to win him a second term. Absolutely. Keep in mind that the... It it really all comes down to the Electoral College, and the states that Trump needs to hold on to and the states that he needs to win are predominantly white. So make no mistake that he is making a a direct plea to the fears and anxieties and uh, of those white voters. He needs to increase his share of the white vote. He also needs to keep his base, his existing base, ramped up and fully on his side, because at this point, there aren't a lot of people out there that he can sort of convince to come into the fold that aren't already there. There's nobody who's going to take Trump for a test drive. They already know what they're going to get. So it's really a numbers game. It's about motivating the supporters uh, of the president uh, to a greater extent than Democrats might be able to. Jackson Prosco is Global News Washington correspondent, and you can read his analysis currently at globalnews.ca. Jackson, always great to have you on. Thanks for being with me. Thanks, Alan. Well, you know, here's another problem the United States has that we don't have. Meth gators. True. A Tennessee police department has actually warned residents now to stop flushing drugs down the toilet or sinks out of fear they could create, quote-unquote, meth gators. Our sewer guys take great pride in releasing water that's cleaner than what is in the creek, but not really prepared for meth. This according to the Loretto Police Department social media post. Quote, ducks, geese, and other fowl frequent our treatment ponds, and we shudder to think what one all hyped up on meth would do. It's a tweaking duck. A suspect was recently arrested, unsuccessfully trying to flush methamphetamine uh, down the toilet. And police warn that if the drugs make it far enough, they're going to end up being consumed by alligators. Methed up alligators. If that doesn't scare you, then let's go to the Windy City. No word whether this gator was tweaking and all methed up. Heisenberg! Here is an update on the attempt to try and capture a wayward alligator in Chicago. 
He's been nicknamed Chance the Snapper. A four to five foot long gator spotted last week at a lagoon in Chicago has been captured, according to Chicago police. The gator eluding police and animal control officials for a week. Chicago police confirming Tuesday morning they got their gator. The announcement coming a day after authorities expanded protective barriers around the lagoon where the gator had been spotted, even shutting down some roads. They also called in a gator expert from Florida to help in the search. Ryan Burrow, ABC News, Chicago. Well, what do you think of that? Don Cherry. And put that in your pipe, you left-wing coots. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you very much. Now, when we come back, we are going to be talking about a certain Chinese telecom company. Uh, It is a difficult name to spell. It is also sometimes difficult to pronounce. Huawei. That is what it is. Huawei. The federal government has said it is going to hold off on a decision about... Huawei. Until after the federal election. Why? And what does it really mean? Well, we have an expert in that very field coming up on the Alan Carter Radio Program. Do you eat a lot of meat? Are you a red meat type of person? You may have noticed that recently there has been a spike in meatless alternatives, and a number of meatless companies have soared on the stock market. Restaurants are introducing meatless versions everywhere you can go. Uh. Well, not so at Arby's. It has been christened the Merit. Now, I mentioned prominent restaurant chains have added plant-based burgers. Well, Arby's is going in the opposite direction. It has unveiled a product designed to poke fun of fans of meatless meat. It is a carrot made from turkey. The recent promotional video shows the step-by-step preparation of this meat vegetable, which consists of turkey breast wrapped in cheesecloth and coated in a carrot marinade. If they can make, make meat from veggies... A caption on the video says, we can make veggies from meat. And put that in your pipe, you left-wing coots. Thank you very much. I think Don Cherry approves of that. Let us move on now to a little Chinese telecom company that you may have heard of. It has a difficult name to pronounce. Huawei. Thank you. Huawei. Canada is likely to postpone a decision on whether to allow Huawei to supply 5G network equipment until after the October federal election, given increasingly strained relations with Beijing. And this is according to three well-placed sources. The sources who requested anonymity uh, say the Liberal government of Prime Minister Justin Trudeau is reluctant to move until the fate of two Canadians detained in China becomes clear. Experts in Ottawa are reviewing the security implications of 5G networks, including Huawei's participation. And the United States is concerned that the use of equipment could undermine national security. Well, let's get more of a sense of what this really means, because there's a lot going on here, folks. Shruti Shikar is a journalist with Mobile Syrup and understands this stuff and is a frequent guest on this program. And great to have you back, Shruti. Hello. Hi, how are you? Great. Uh, how's my pronunciation, by the way, Huawei. of that? I <laughs> really want to know who recorded that. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, I, you know, I, I want to be, I, I want to be right. I want to make no, sure it, that it I'm was, right. It was perfect. That's thank you. Exactly how you would say it. <laughs> thank you. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. But now, give me a sense of what does this mean? This non-decision decision, if these sources are correct. Well, I, I mean, of course, everyone is sort of anticipating uh, whether or not the federal government is going to be making a decision. Um, it, part of the reason for why these anonymous sources have sort of said that a decision is going to be postponed are for various reasons. One, in you know, in part so because of the relationship that Canada is facing with Canada, uh, sorry, Canada is facing with China, my apologies. Uh, as you mentioned earlier, it's a bit strained right now, and uh, a lot of um, issues have sort of risen because of the Huawei situation. Uh, but also, you know, these uh, sources, whoever they, they are, uh have said that it actually might affect uh, Justin Trudeau's uh, voting, uh, the voters uh, that would vote for him if a decision were to be made before or even after. Uh, you know, it, it could potentially harm how he would be elected or whether he'd be elected or not. Well, I, I think there, it's a no-win situation here, is it? If, if he bans Huawei, uh, then it's sort of like we're abandoning these Canadians that are being detained. Uh, if he allows Huawei, then, you know, then there's going to people say that, well, now, great, now we're going to have China spying on us. Good work. Right, and I completely agree with you, and I think that's also part of the reason for why a decision hasn't been made yet. I mean, granted, it, uh, you know, people have suggested that this could potentially um, sort of push back the rollout of 5G, because as you are aware, Bell and Telus, both who use Huawei for 3G and 4 LTE networks have not picked a 5G vendor yet. Uh, you know, Nokia has picked a vendor, but because of that, there there is a concern that there might be a delay in the rollout. And um, you know, God knows what's going to happen after that. <laughs> it's like a problem. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it is a problem, and I know it gets really complicated very quickly. But here is my understanding: is that in terms of core, in terms of the the, the sensitive portions of the upcoming 5G network, that likely what's going to happen is Canada is going to say, no, no, Huawei, you can't do that. You can't build that stuff, but you can build a whole bunch of other things. Yes, and, and that is actually correct. Um, the previous government, the, the Stephen Harper government, actually did make that decision back in the day uh, that Huawei would not be in the core of any of these networks, and that's sort of where all the vulnerabilities are, where the most sensitive of information resides. And so, you know, what... Huawei is able to do is they're able to sort of give the last mile existing uh, network infrastructure. So some of the towers that you see when you're driving on long drives in Canada, those are towers probably provided by Huawei, you know. So that's that's where they're allowed to build their networks. Uh, but it, essentially, Huawei says that Bell and Telus and whoever does use its network or the infrastructure is controlled by Bell and Telus. You know, they have all the capability of controlling what goes there. And so I think if we're going back to the conversation of the decision, I think there's just so many variables that are at play. And I, I think any decision that's made right now would be, um, would be too quick to be made. I think it's, you know, they've been studying this for quite some time. And uh, while it may or may not affect the rollout of 5G in Canada, I think that's probably the reason for why Canada is postponing this decision, because it's just so 
it's just too vulnerable right now to make anything. But if we don't happen. make a decision, we're not. The, the, the concern here is that the rollout will be delayed, and then you know you look at the United States, which the race towards five G is underway. I was reading this piece in the Wall Street Journal. Very interesting that tower companies are are now you know just shooting up in terms of stock market valuation because of the the amount of infrastructure that's going to have to be built to be able mm-hmm. to service five G. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's absolutely correct. You know, whether we're going to try and build out a smart city or even uh, try to have autonomous vehicles function in our in our city, which you know is very well is a very real possibility in the future, uh, it, w- it would require five G networks. And you know, companies are sort of prepping for it, as we kind of have spoken in the past. You know, they've come out with these phone plans that are sort of a, a precursor to five G plans that could happen in the future. But I. Personally, I feel like this is a topic that uh, it's hard to make a decision on because we don't even really know the effects of 5G yet. Uh, We don't even know the vulnerabilities that 5G can have. And, you know, researchers have said that 5G can actually be a lot more uh, vulnerable than 4G LTE. It's it's a lot more easier for a hacker to hack the network. And And so I think because of that, there's just so much... Um, care being put into this review and whether a decision is made or not. But um, I think it definitely is concerning as to why a decision has been, hasn't been made. Um, we should also take into consideration that Canada is sort of facing this issue with uh, Huawei CFO Meng Wanzhou, who has been uh, detained in Vancouver uh, for fraud-related charges and might be extradited into the, to the U.S. or, you know, that, that case is sort of uh, ha- going to happen soon. And uh, prosecutors are saying that it could actually last up until October 2020. And so uh, it, it's so it's such a complicated mess. The decision for anything to happen could affect that relationship with China. It could affect the relationship with Huawei. Um, but again, Huawei already exists in Canada. It's been in existence for over 10 years now. Uh, it's already in our networks. And so, um, yeah, I think that's, that's why it's so complicated. And it's kind of a difficult topic <laughs> to, to kind of understand and unpack. Shirley Shikar is a journalist with Mobile Syrup who understands this. Thank you so much for joining us for the very latest on Huawei. Thank you. Appreciate you being with us. Thanks a lot, Alan. I'll talk to you soon. Okay. I want to quickly uh, mention a a couple of things about screens real quick before we take a break, and that is that Netflix has now announced it is going to remove a graphic suicide scene from season one, the finale of the show 13 Reasons Why, as the series prepares to launch its third season, the show creator saying that the suicide in graphic detail was intended to make sure that no one would ever wish to emulate it, but producers have heard concerns from mental health experts and have decided to re-edit that. And that goes hand-in-hand with this Canadian research that says spending too much time on social media or watching television is linked to increased symptoms of depression amongst teens. This research, a four-year study of 3,800 adolescents between grades 7 and 11 in the Montreal area, The harms appear to be most potent on social media platforms like Facebook and Instagram, where teens are more likely to compare themselves to other people with so-called perfect lives. And that leads me to our next segment. When we come back, we are going to be talking about social media influencers and whether or not they are a real thing. Are they here to stay? 
we already have a reality TV star president. How long until we get ourselves a TikTok president? Keep it down. Amazon Prime Day continues. I don't know if you're, you know, you're doing like a lot of people and just pretending you're working, but actually shopping online, because that's what people do at work nowadays, especially in the middle of the doldrums of summer. Forget like, about it. Yeah, you're just going to sit down and do a little shopping here. Well, it's been a couple hours just noodling around Amazon. Uh, the numbers in amazing. The first day of the 48-hour sales event, large retailers that generated annual revenue of at least a billion dollars enjoyed a 64% increase in online sales compared with the average Monday. Now, that that's just spillover because, you know, once you start, you can't stop. You're on the Amazon Prime, you're like, well, what else do I got here? And you just keep keep on shopping. And this has now become a such a big deal because w- w- the way they started was to try and get people to shop in the middle of summer when they normally don't, and now here we are all online shopping. And it's just, you know, continues along. And also, it, it turned out to save some people's lives, apparently. In Atlanta, a FedEx truck driver is being credited for transporting three shooting victims to hospital. See, likely delivering something from Amazon. I'm just going to say. News outlets report four people were shot Monday before police arrived. Three of the victims flagged down a FedEx driver who took them to Grady Memorial Hospital. There you go. Maybe they didn't take it to the hospital. They took it to the you know nearby Canada post office and say, you got to come and sign for the victim now. That's what happens in Ontario and Canada. You get the thing. Do you feel weird when you get the, the I'm, I'm waiting for a package right now. I'm I'm waiting for a package and I'm I'm watching Canada Post and I don't have the sign thing on it. They're just going to drop it on the on the front store on the front doorstop, and so now I got to trust my neighbors not to just come and pinch it. Hmm. I have to think about that. Uh, I want to tell you uh, what's happening in Montreal very quickly. A 43-year-old cyclist is now expecting to face charges after allegedly smashing the windows of a Montreal city bus last night. That's a little bike rage for you right there. Montreal police spokeswoman saying the incident just before midnight apparently sparked because the cyclist felt the city bus was following him too closely. Just back off! Just back off or I'll come over there and I'll you know, be ashamed if something happened to your nice bus. Huh? All right, let's talk about social media influencers, shall we? Shall we talk about that? And put that in your pipe, you left-wing kooks. Thank you very much. Thank you. Don Cherry, this is a column in the New York Times by Kevin Roos that says, amongst other things, that someday soon we are going to have a TikTok president. Now, if you don't know what TikTok is, it's another one of these video apps. It's a short-form video app owned by a Chinese internet company, and it's all the rage amongst the kids, the TikTok. You don't know what it is, but that's the point. Now, in truth, social media influencers have been running the world for years. We just have not called them that. Instead, we've called them movie stars or talk radio hosts. (laughs) The ability to stay relevant and attract attention to your work has always been critical. Hey, listen, listen. That's right. You know, Drake doesn't have to post anything on social media. He just has to come out and say he wants the chips with the dip. And now everybody wants dip with their chips. That is how it works. But what this column in 
the New York Times argues is that social media influencers are here to stay and that their influence is growing by the day. As we jettison, you know, traditional forms of influencers, royals, politicians, and say, no, I, I want beauty hacks or whatever it is from the YouTuber down the street, and that is where I'm going to go. What does that all mean for our society? Eric Du is a syndication editor at Global News and joins me on the line. Hey, Ark. Hey, how are you? I'm good. Are you a social media influencer, sir? Um, yeah, in my previous life, I was a social media influencer. Well, you're, uh, you're reformed now? Um, well, I don't uh, post as much anymore, but uh, I used to do a lot of work on Instagram and with uh, paid platforms and things like that as well. All right, let me just start with the Instagram, because they've changed recently the metrics and how you see the numbers of likes and everything, and they've done that to try and take some power back from the actual influencers. What's your perception on whether that works? Um, well, on, on my personal account, I still can see the numbers, and people can still go on their desktop to see how many likes people are getting. So um, I don't think that affects too much, but definitely on a, on a, a scroll by on your phone, um, not seeing those likes definitely impacts um, whether or not, like, what you think of uh, of the post, right? Yeah, I know, because I like I put up a couple of vacation posts and nobody like it. Now I feel I feel terrible. I feel I feel empty inside. But it's okay because no one can see how many likes it got, right? Yeah, but I can, <laughs> and I know that nobody likes me, and it makes me feel bad. Yeah, yeah, likes are, are kind of uh, well, it kind of gives you dopamine too, right? When uh, when those social media likes come in. It, it is, isn't that true? It is much like playing a VLT. You just you you just wait wait for them to come in. But th- for those people that you know are in the millions of followers and you know whatever they're wearing that they post or they you know whatever lip gloss they're putting on that day, give me a sense of how that has changed the landscape. Uh, you know, for companies that advertise. Yeah, absolutely, uh, companies are now more willing to put more more ad dollars into uh, social media marketing because they can target people that are following that influencer. Um, they could have, you know, a million followers and get hundreds of thousands of views on a YouTube video or hundreds of thousands of likes on their Instagram posts and really target um, their audience that way. Where do you see this ending up? I mean, could you see, you know, we've obviously seen YouTubers who now have their own production companies. They're, they're essentially brands. Under their, and many of us don't even know who they are. We wouldn't know who they are. But if you consume that kind of content, those are big stars in that firmament. But where does this end up? Um, I think it's just going to continue to grow from here. Um, even if certain influencers' posts are getting fewer and fewer likes or, or less engagement, um, someone else is going to crop up and, you know, take, take over the audience that, uh, that was left behind there. What do you think uh, is the key to making content that people will sign up for and watch and then turn yourself into a social media influencer? For those sitting at home who are thinking, this sounds like easy money. I think it's a lot harder than people think. There's a lot of, uh, you know, planning put into, even if it's just for Instagram, for example, you know, like planning the shoots, going out, putting the work into uh, editing the the shot or editing the video. Um, Yeah, like you said, there's a lot of YouTubers and and other video content creators who have production studios um, of of their own. So I think 
as long as there's dedication and there's um, time put into it, people can definitely get started. But it's a lot harder than people think, in my opinion. Eric Du is syndication editor with Global News, and we've been talking about the growing influence of social media influencers. Thank you so much for being on the program. Thanks for having me. We only have a couple minutes left, but we have a little time for a little rip and read here. Just drop a beat on me here. I'm going to read some news stories that I have not seen before. Here we go. Wheel them out. This one from Berlin. It gives new meaning to the term hot chocolate. German authorities say they had to shut down a busy stretch of highway after a truck carrying 17 tons of cocoa caught fire. Police say the fire started as the truck traveled along the Autobahn near the town of Berlin and Hamburg. They are currently airdropping in marshmallows. In Finland, competition knitting with heavy metal music. Three things you didn't think went together, except when you're talking about an event in Finland last week, where teams of knitters danced along to ear-shattering drums and shredding guitars at the first ever Heavy Metal Knitting World Championship. Even though the contestants had stage names like Wolf Fumes and Bunny Bandit, the pursuit was a serious one to show off their knitting skills while dancing up a storm to heavy metal beats. Remember back when times were similar and Ozzy Osbourne just, you know, bit the head off a bat? Now we have knitting competitions. Let's go to Moscow! The waters of the Siberian lake, so blue, worthy of selfies. No wonder thousands of people and visitors have been flocking to take photos at this picturesque site. You may have seen some of these photos on the social media feed. But don't jump in the waters because a Russian environmentalist warns that the water can cause allergic reactions, chemical burns, because it is saturated with heavy metals and harmful substances. A Nebraska woman, this is our last one, a Nebraska woman, fined $1,000 for climbing the Mount Rushmore National Memorial. Authorities say she scaled the massive granite sculpture Friday with bare feet and no rope, making it to about 15 feet from the top. But then she got right up Roosevelt's nose and was no way out. I am so fresh. I am so clean. 